We're going to have a wonderful time in the Lord today. But we're going to talk for a second. I'm going to try and make this quick. So pray that the Lord helps me. But uh, we are talking today about for us. And Candy mentioned it earlier that we're going to be doing a three-part series. They're all going to feed in together. They're all going to show us why Christ came. Why are we celebrating Easter? So, I'm going to ask you guys when we get towards the end, and I want some good answers. So start thinking about it now. Why did Christ come? What is this Easter all about? And there's a very important scripture that we always hear this time of year. So we're going to go through it because it tells us a little bit about Christ and what he went through for us. And it's Isaiah 53. Has anybody ever read Isaiah 53? You guys have ever heard he was bruised? For our iniquities. Yes, we've heard that. By our stripes we are healed. But this is all telling about what Christ went through at Easter. So we're going to read a little bit about it. We're going to try to figure out why Easter is such a big deal. Why did he come and die on the cross? Does anybody like our new cross? Yeah. yeah. We're going to decorate it. We're going to hook it up. We're going to make it a part of our, our atmosphere back here. But I'm excited about it. Brother Doug. We are always thankful for Brother Doug. He is constantly hooking us up. And I'm glad I got that on the recording. <laughs> but Isaiah 53, we're going to go through verses 1 through 12. Isaiah 53 is a short chapter. It's only got 12 verses in it. It's real quick, but it's powerful. And it tells us about God. And it starts off with, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence, like presence, not present, presence, like a tender green shoot, like a root in the dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing that would attract us to him. So this is telling us a little bit about who Jesus is. Who has believed our message? Has anyone ever felt that way? Like, who believes our message? Like, I go and I talk to people about the good news, and I find myself sometimes wondering, like, who is really listening to this message? But this scripture is showing us here that God felt the same way. Jesus felt the same way. Who's revealed, who's had his mighty arm revealed to him? There's a lot of people in this world who we tell about Jesus, but they still don't know who he is. And Isaiah is going to take some time and he explains that to us. For one, he was a servant of God. He was in the presence of the Lord. He, he, he grew up in dry ground. And there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his presence. Nothing to attract us to him. We're supposed to be like Christ. I don't want to be beautiful and majestic and attract people to myself. I want to attract them to God. So we, we've got to learn to be like this. And to not worry about our appearance, but worry about the appearance that we're representing, which is Christ. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. He turned our, or he, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Now who is this talking about, guys? Yes, you can answer it. Jesus, yes, it's talking about Jesus. But it's not just Jesus. Like this is, when we say that, like, oh, it's Jesus. We say it like the world uses it when they stub their toe. They're like, Jesus. And it means nothing. But this is Jesus. 
This is God wrapped in flesh. This is the, the guy who ran the whole universe, that had everything his way, that could make anything that he wanted and never had to ask for any help. And this is the role that he came down to the earth and he played. He was despised and rejected. He was sorrowful. He was acquainted with grief. He went through all of this, but he was God of the universe and he never had to. So it had to have been a big reason why he did it. Because yet, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his, his trouble was a punishment from God. Like, he's getting what he gets. But he never deserved it. He never did anything wrong. He never had to carry any of this. These were our burdens, and they were our sorrows. He wasn't just being punished for his own sin. Like when I'm being punished for something that I've done wrong, I deserve it. But he never deserved this. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we would be whole. I know this is good there, but I'm transferring. It's wood. <laughs> he did this so that we would be healed. And he was with so that we would be healed. He went through all of this again. Beaten. Anybody ever seen The Passion of Christ? Anybody ever make it through that? Ooh, that's a rough one to go through. Like, even, if, even, if, even if you're like, you're pagan, you don't even believe in Christianity, like just watching somebody suffer that way is, is hard. It's hard to sit back and watch. Especially more when you know that person is innocent. But it was our rebellion. It was our weakness that caused it. Yeah. It was for us that he did all that. And I often look at my own life and I'm like, for real? Like, you got a raw deal, guys. Like, you went through all that and you got me. And if there was more, there was more suffering than value in my eyes. But God's seen it a different way and we're going to look at what he saw. So it goes on in verse 6 and it says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. We left our path. Now, in the beginning with Adam and Eve, was God with them? Like they got to see him. They got to talk to him. We know that Cain and Abel, that he murdered his brother, and it says that God came and spoke to them. So there was still this closeness where people could see God and they could talk to God. But as we continued in sin, God was pushed further and further away from us. To the point where we, we see later where Moses gets a glimpse of God. We're going to talk about that next week and it, and it almost kills him. Because of all the sin and corruption that mankind has grown in. That it keeps pushing us further and further away from God. Which is why the world keeps getting more and more wicked. But here he says, we've all gone astray, but the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as the sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Man, you know, a lot of people want to be like Jesus until they read scriptures like this. <laughs> and then they're like, I don't know. <laughs> I can love a little bit, but can I keep my mouth shut? 
Even when I know that I'm being wrong for something I didn't deserve and something I shouldn't have gone through. But he was. Unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he was without descendants. Anybody ever thought about that? Like, I'm, I love my kids. Even when they're spilling pop all over the floor, making a ruckus in the only preaching. <laughs> I love my kids. Like, I love being around my kids. Like, Jesus never got to experience that. He never had a wife. He never had kids. Unless you listen to some crazy talk from people in the world. He never had kids. He never, the Bible tells us that. But why, why would he give those, like, he didn't get to experience the beautiful things in life. Because his whole mission was to come here and suffer and die for us. For us. He was led away. No one cared to die without descendants. That was that his life was cut short in midstream. He didn't even make it to his forties. Like my grandpa lived to his fifties, and I, I still feel like he died young. Like he didn't even make it to his forties. Like when I turned thirty-three, I was like, I, I'll live Jesus. <laughs> A little bit. He's still alive, so no. He's like 2,000 years old now. But there's a point there. Like he didn't experience a full life. It wasn't like he lived his life however he felt, did, got to do all the cool things he wanted to do, and then at the end he finally died for everybody. But that wasn't what it was. He came here with a mission. He came here with a goal. He never lost track of that. He never lost sight of that. It was always about us. It was always about you. And he wanted to make sure that, he, that that's what his life represented. He was struck down for the rebellion of my people. A lot of times people think, you know, it was Judas who sold Jesus out on the cross, but we were all Judas. It was all our fault that we put him on the cross. It was all our rebellion that caused it all to be this way. He had done no wrong. And had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. And he was put in a rich man's grave. Because again, he had a purpose. He had a plan. All this suffering, all this bad stuff is still going on. It's all for one purpose. It's all for one goal. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him. To cause him grief. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. So he also knew that there was more to come. Like, yeah, my life's going to get cut down here, but I'm going to have descendants. I'm not going to have a wife and kid on earth, but I'm going I'm to create a way for millions of people to have a relationship with me. And if that was always what was most important in his mind. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted as righteous. There you go. For he will bear all their sins. There's the point. There's where he's getting at. Elijah is like, this, Isaiah is like, this is where we're going with it, guys. Like, because of this, many people, my righteous servants, will make it possible for many to be counted as righteous. Like, we're not worthy. We're never worthy. 
can't go into the throne room of God if I'm not righteous. But my righteousness isn't worth anything. Does anybody know the story about the old tabernacle, the priests that were going and ministering the holiest of holies? You ever heard that story? Anybody? Nobody? Nobody? Okay, good. Good. This is a brand new story for y'all. So in the Old Testament, when they were in the wilderness, they had a tent that they would set up, and it was the holiest of holies. And they had they had their their iron or their now nah, I don't even know. I'm gonna act like I knew. No, they had their brazen lever, which they had to wash them. It was a representation of baptism. Outside of that, before you even got into that, there was an altar where you would make your sacrifice. And all of this represented repentance, baptism, and then there was the holiest of holies. And once you entered into that, there was there was some furniture, there was the Ark of the Covenant, there was a holy, holy place. And they would send the priest in to minister. And the priest would spread the blood over the Ark of the Covenant, over the Seat of Atonement. And this would roll the people's sins up for one more year. But nobody really wanted to be the priest to go into the holies of holies. Nobody really wanted to be that guy. They would tie a rope around the priest who would go in and minister. Because if he went into the holiest of holies and he wasn't pure, he would drop dead. And they'd have to pull him back out. There was one time when the Ark of the Covenant was going through the field with David and his men. They were trying to bring it back home to Israel. And it wobbled. And it started to fall. And it says a righteous man, a good man, reached up and stopped it from falling and was struck dead. David didn't even bring it home after that. He was so scared about the whole situation. And I've often looked at that scripture and thought about it. This was a good dude. He was trying to help. <laughs> the ark is falling over. I I God, God's glory can't fall over. That's all he was trying to do. But he was struck dead. And so many times we're like, that's not fair. Like it's not fair that a priest who's going in to minister for everybody gets struck down. But it's because God is holy. He is not going to stand in the building. He's not going to put himself in, in, in sin and in chaos and in destruction. He's a God of life. And the more mankind made themselves become that way, the more the presence of God would destroy them. So God had to make a way. God had to make a way that could clean you up so that He could draw close to you without destroying you. And He did that by bearing all of their sins. I will give Him the honors of a victorious soldier because He exposed Himself to death. He was accounted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. <laughs> rebels. Guys, re rebels. Anybody like that word? Anybody yes. ever like, hey, I'm a rebel? Put your hand down. That's not good. <laughs> no. Rebellion is what? As of the sin of what? Witchcraft. As of the sin of witchcraft. Yeah, oh, now. <laughs> Never mind. I take that back, guys. <laughs> of the sin of witchcraft. These weren't good people. These were the worst people. The worst. Anybody ever met a real witch? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not, guys. Guess what? They're not good people. 
You don't want to be the real witch. It's not going to benefit you in any way. But guess what? That's who he died for. That's who he came and died for. The one thing the devil's not going to do in this room is convince anybody in this room that you're not good enough for God. Because he died for worse. He died for worse. He died for everyone. So, I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to do some communion. But before we do, don't clap. He was clapping because I was done. Like, he wasn't even clapping over what he got. <laughs> before I do, I got one question because I, I, I teased about it in the beginning. And I want to hear your guys' input because I searched my mind for these, for these series of messages and I found three solid reasons on why I believe Christ came and he died. So go to the next slide real quick. Look at that. Look at that. That's what he did for us. So why did he do that? Simeon, you always got a good answer. Why did he do it?
And instead of just letting it be and being like, okay, well, I guess I'll never talk to Dan Taffy again. He messed that all up. Burn that bridge. God wanted to be in a relationship with me so bad that he ignored everything I did, everything that the world has gone through, everything Satan caused, just so he could be close to you. Because that's the number one reason. Like, the whole point of it was we were drawing so far away from God, he had to draw us closer. And the only way to do that is to get rid of the sin in our life. So, I'm going to call up the musicians. Thank you guys so much. Give it up for them as they come up here. Yes. And we're going we're gonna to play a song that has been on my